The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. Welcome to Burger Yippee. Would you like a hot apple pie today? Yes, yes, yeah, I won. Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing high five casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. Yeah. So yes or no on the apple pie? Woo! I won again. I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your high five moment today? Only at highfivecasino.com. High five casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High five casino. What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com consulting. IBM. Let's create. Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash covers your skin in layers of rich moisturizers and vitamin B3 complex, transforming your skin from dry and dull to moisturized, soft and smooth in just 14 days. Feel the best in your skin and glow with confidence, all pride. For the third year, Olay Body is a proud sponsor of iHeartRadio and PNG's Can't Cancel Pride and supporter of the LGBTQ plus community. So this pride glow with confidence, not just all month, but all year long. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM's Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick an area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM sports account to get started. Then visit your promotions section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. There's nothing more exciting than going yard with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In partnership with MGM Northfield Park. started i like that these intros are getting shorter every every time yeah <laughs> we've gotten well, it onto one syllable so there's not much room yep. we can go from you, there look you know what an honest an honest man only needs one syllable sometimes less sometimes half a syllable we'll eventually get this down to just grunts that's really what i'm moving towards is an entirely shouldn't we be moving towards like telepathy yeah telepathy we don't even record a podcast where we just yeah, like put just up transmit an, the information instantaneously <laughs> just a blank audio file that says now think about farming <laughs> <laughs> and uh, i must say the, that that sounds very um that sounds very sci-fi mm-hmm. it, and um that's my way of doing a slick segue here <laughs> oh good <laughs> because okay. today we will be talking and i'm very excited to talk about this um she's one of my favorite authors um, you know, I really enjoyed discussing the ideas present in old Huxley's work, but this one has a special place in my heart. Today, we'll be taking a look at Octavia Butler's Parable of the Sower and Parable of the Talents and the yeah. themes and ideas present within. Yes. 
back at you again with another podcast banger. <laughs> but first of all, um, hi, I'm Andrew. Um, sometimes known as Saint Andrew. I'm kind of trying to rebrand as something else. Still figuring that out. <laughs> um, and you can find me on YouTube at Saint Andrewism. But this episode is not about me and my branding. <laughs> this episode is about Octavia Butler. Born in 1947 and growing up in segregation era America, she became an award-winning sci-fi author um, with a lot of influences and a lot of themes and ideas being covered in her work. Considering the very white male-dominated scene that is sci-fi, the fact that she was able to not only break into it, but also present some things that haven't been explored before in, with angles that haven't really been explored before um, really um, has touched a lot of people. She was somewhat Afrofuturist, but she was also very much, um, a lot of her stories really blended um, a lot of people of a lot of different backgrounds and, and, and histories. And she always managed to work aspects of herself into her main characters. Um, she was a big critic of hierarchies, um, which really draws me to her. And um, she also, very relatably, has at times struggled with writer's block and depression. She wrote over two dozen essays, speeches, short stories, and novels in her time on this earth. But unfortunately, she had a stroke and died in 2006. One of the, or rather, two of the books that have had the most, of hers, that have had the most impact on me, and of course, I haven't read her entire bibliography yet, but I hope to get to it, um, is Power of the Sewer, yeah. right? And, you know, I think a lot of people have heard about it. It gained a lot more relevance um, after, you know, as climate catastrophe continued to accelerate, as, you know, we drew closer to the year that the... Um, book is set in and with regard to the second book as we had you know Trump come into office um, and I'll get into why that's relevant in a bit in the first book um, just to give a brief synopsis global climate change and economic crisis has led to a whole set of social crisis and chaos in the early 2020s um, the book is set in California and they are struggling with pervasive water shortages and masses of poor people will do basically anything to live to see another day. Everybody is struggling. So basically today, in this setting, 15-year-old Lauren Olamina lives inside a gated community with her preacher father, family, and neighbors, sheltered somewhat from the surrounding chaos. However, when we hear gated community now, we think of, you know, like really rich people. But in this case, gated community is just like a regular community that had to put up a bunch of walls to prevent like pyromaniacs yeah. from like really. Yeah, it's like a it, it's a suburb that used to be like a well-off suburb. But as things got worse, it just turned into people hiding behind their walls because they were scared of poor folks, right? Like it's, there's an Pretty element <laughs> of it that almost reads like a slasher movie in the opening of the book, which is one of the things that's really compelling about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. They really, um, 
she really gets you invested in the setting and in the character early on. And part of what really gets you invested in Lauren as a protagonist is the fact that she suffers from a unique vulnerability or strength, depending on how you look at it, um, oftentimes vulnerability, and that is hyperempathy syndrome, uh, which is basically that she's able to feel others' emotions, others' pains. So when others are very, very sad, she feels very, very sad. Uh, when others are in pain, she feels that same excruciating pain um, and so on and so forth. And so she has to sort of navigate this chaos world while dealing with this, um, with this um, disorder that she's struggling with. At the same time, though, she's also navigating faith and the idea of faith and, and philosophy because her father is like a preacher and he is the preacher of their little gated community. And so she has grown up in the church, but she also has found issues in um, the religion that she grew up in, places where she thinks it has sort of led people astray. And that's kind of also what has drawn me to Lauren as a character, because I too, you know, have had to negotiate and navigate that whole religious realm. And so that's basically the setting. She's in this community um, it's chaos on the outside. She's navigating her hyperempathy syndrome and she's also dealing with the ideas of religion and change and so on and so forth. So as she's there um, sort of thinking internally, she's keeping this journal and she's developing this new system of thought, which she calls Earthseed. And we're going to get into Earthseed, but it basically shapes... Uh, the decisions that she makes and the outcome of both books and as well as how they progress throughout. The second book places her in, I'm really trying not to spoil, uh, which is difficult to do because the second book leads directly after the first book and so on and so forth. But I'll try to speak in broad brushes because I really think people should go and read it as blind as possible. Um... Lauren, of course, eventually we will get into spoilers, by the way. So I'll, I'll try to let folks know when we get into that. But in the second book, um, Lauren is working on a community um, founded on her faith, Earthseed. And they begin to face persecution, I'll say, after the election of this ultra-conservative president who vows to, quote, make America great again. Mm-hmm. Being, you know, a young black woman in a minority religious faction in the United States of America, um, her colony becomes a target of President Jarrett's reign of terror. Um, and at the same time, Lauren's future daughter is navigating the discovery of the mother that she didn't knew, that she didn't know through the journals that her mother kept through the years. And I think I'll leave it at that. There are a lot of themes that, you know, Butler covers in these texts. Um, and in fact, I've seen them described as Butlerian, which I would agree with because she covers them in other books of hers as well in different ways. 
Um, she talks about poverty and slavery and freedom. She talks about perseverance. She navigates the this idea of community and what community means, what how community is both a balance of inclusion and exclusion at the same time. And also the whole cycle of creation, destruction, and rebirth that really defines human history. Right now, well, in that book, so in the setting of that book, um, slavery has made a comeback more than it already has. You know, you have these extreme forms of debt slavery and marital slavery and probably even plantation slavery. Um, I believe plantation slavery is mentioned in the second book. Um, and of course, the slavery is inflicted upon the poor. And particularly yeah, and a lot of like company poor. town style slavery, yeah. right? Where people yeah. are like bonded, bound to a specific location because of their employer who protects them in this increasingly dangerous bandit filled world. Yeah. Exactly. And in this world, you know, race remains a factor, even though these books are written in the 80s and 90s, I believe. Parable of the Sower is uh, 93 and yeah, Purple Talents is 98. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. So again, like he's got, or, or Butler has a character using the same phrase Trump would win the presidency on, um, what is it, uh, 24 years before the start of his campaign um hard to overstate the degree to which she was ahead of the curve on a lot of things because i mean to be fair she knew america oh yeah you know she grew up in segregation year america she had to deal with um her mother was a domestic laborer and so she had to go in with her mother in these rich white families places through the back door um and you know Obviously, that would have shaped how she saw herself and herself in relation to the wider world, to to America as an idea. And so I think that as she's writing of this, you know, sort of horrific future, she's drawing a lot from her horrific past, or rather America's horrific past, of which her history is a part. So Lauren, who is in some ways Octavia Butler's self-insert, um, spends a lot of time in the book, in both books, allying with people who are also minorities, who come from mixed backgrounds, people who are, tend to be overlooked by the dominant Christian, religious, right, white um, order. Because I believe she finds some sense of safety and strength in people who have been so maligned. Slavery also ends up affecting Lawrence's community too, um, in many ways that I don't want to spoil. But despite it all, the theme of perseverance is really what carries the story along. <laughs> Lauren ultimately is the archetype of the perseverer, you know. She preaches a sermon on the importance of perseverance. She tries to get others to see the importance of hard work and she sticks to her goals no matter what happens. And a lot happens that would 
quite honestly discourage a lot of people, to put it lightly, and yet she perseveres. And so I'll tie that in as well to American history, um, particularly in the first book, she ends up having to make a journey north um, to Northern California. And throughout that journey, she, you know, she meets with other people and interacts with other people. Um, she makes allies and avoids enemies. And you could honestly draw some parallels to the Underground Railroad. Of course, it's not an exact one-to-one, but in the sense of having to work with people along the way to progress out of a terrible situation, a hellish situation, for the hope, not the guarantee, but the hope of some form of salvation when you get to the end of the journey. She doesn't do it alone. She does it with others. Um, and that's kind of what keeps her hope alive. But it's not just external. She has a lot of intrinsic motivation to persevere, which is driven by her philosophy. The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. I won! Private, put down your phone. This is the army. Sort. High Five Casino is a social casino. It's on your phone. goes wherever you go. I win free spins, cash, prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. I won again. Platoon, present cell phone. High Five. High Five. Casino. Casino. Win at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM's Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick an area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM sports account to get started. Then visit your promotions section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. There's nothing more exciting than going yard with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In partnership with MGM Northfield Park. I mean, I think one of the things, because there's there's a lot of meaning in why she picks the parable of the sower and the parable of the talents for, and it, it's pretty obvious in the That's context right. of the books. It's she's not like hiding it under layers or anything. But one of the things that, in particular, the second book deals with, um, I mean, in the first book too, to a degree, is kind of the um, the pointlessness of responding 
to dystopian change in society by just like hunkering down in a bunker and trying to hide from it and protect your family. Like the, exactly. one of the reoccurring themes is the degree to which that doesn't work. And and one of the things that's really interesting about this is a dystopian novel. Um, this is a, a novel that is both of these novels are kind of imagining the collapse of a lot of aspects of American society. But it is not at no point does the United States really collapse in these books. And and even like as much as authoritarianism is present, at no point is the government completely taken over and completely under the control of like a unified fascist regime or anything. Yeah. Like, like elections when, are still happening, campaigns are still are going s- on. The police yeah. still exist, but you know, you still have to pay them to, you know for them to pay yeah, any attention and, to you. And and the the like Christian death squad type things that are roaming around are are distinctly non state actors. They have backing to an extent from the state. They're not really right. opposed by it, but it's 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 again it's this thing that we we are actually dealing with where collapse doesn't look like okay everything's falling apart and now it's whoever's got the strongest group of buddies who can who can you know do their best in the wasteland. It's like no no no. It is about groups of people trying to navigate in an increasingly dysfunctional state, and the the only way to actually survive that is um, survival is complicated, and it's never as simple as just like picking a good farm to hide on. You know that that's exactly. that's not going to work out for you. Exactly. I, would, I just wanted to point out as well that as dysfunctional as things are, people are still going to work. Not just the people yeah. who are you know in company towns or in debt bondage, but even Lauren's father. You know, he takes his bike every day and rides yeah. out into that chaos to go and work for a wage to come back and to try to support his family. And of course, in this gated community, we see that their attempts to stay gated, you know, it's ultimately futile. Like the mm-hmm. rich have their high security communities and they're able to escape in helicopters when anything happens, but they have no security even in this illusion of security and that hunkering down strategy they were taking wasn't working. And the first half of the book really shows why. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's a, it's a book about collapse by somebody who's, uh, who, who grew up in a situation where her, her childhood had a lot of elements of the collapse that many particularly like, uh, fo- many folks are concerned about now like that's what she grew up in was there's no there's no protection violence uh, can come from all sides and is random um and you have no there are no guarantees in this like world that you've come into which is this thing that like people are freaking out about now as we encounter kind of aspects of the the world order that we had grown up with that we feel like are falling apart. And I think the thing that's so compelling about Butler is her books kind of are coming from the perspective of someone for whom that order and that world were never real. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why her contributions to sci-fi are so valuable, mm-hmm. you know, because a lot of these sci-fi writers are just like regular privileged white guys and, you know, and, and they just come with that experience and, it's an often um, repeated critique of, of sci-fi. Um, you see it in tweets and stuff sometimes where like a lot of it is just like, particularly like alien-related sci-fi. It's like, whoa, what if white, the things that white people did to other people happened to white people, <laughs> you know? Like this whole idea that these alien invasion um, 
fears and alien invasion stories are just like, what if colonialism, but to white people, to rich countries, you know? Mm-hmm. Another part of the reason that the um, attempt to hunker down and stuff and basically exclude others um, from their community failed is because, and Lauren writes this in her diary, exclusion breeds resentment among the excluded. So even though Lauren's neighborhood, while, you know, gated and walled and stuff, was not particularly rich, just the mere fact that they had those walls up basically signaled to the outside world that they had something to hide, some sort of resources they wanted to safeguard. Even if the only thing they had to safeguard were themselves, because a lot of the members of the community were, you know, unemployed and extremely poor. That alone sort of symbolized, uh, sort of, it was sort of a beacon um, drawing people to eventually um, attack. And that's a slight spoiler, but yeah. And, you know, despite the problems that exclusion ends up causing um, Lauren as she realizes that her community could not handle that approach even then as she's progressing north and stuff and she's debating with herself you know who to bring into her fold exclusion and inclusion they they play a a role you know um she has to find form bonds and you know stay safe but at the same time the bonds that she forms could put her in danger if she's betrayed or if the people that she invests in end up being harmed in some way because the harm that they experience will ultimately affect her as well. The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. I won! Private, put down your phone. This is the army. Sarge, High Five Casino is a social casino. It's on your phone. goes wherever you go. I win free spins, cash, prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. I won again. Platoon, present cell phone. High Five. High Five. Casino. Casino. Win at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM's Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. 
Pick an area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM Sports account to get started. Then visit your promotions section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. There's nothing more exciting than going yard with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In partnership with MGM Northfield Park. So as Lauren is making her way up north, she is continuing to wrestle with this idea of inclusion and exclusion. Because as she's progressing north in hopes of, you know, building a community of some kind, creating, joining, forming a community of some kind, she's also forming and establishing her religion. Like I mentioned before, it played a major role in the community that she came from. And in fact, novel points out that one of the reasons people are attracted to, you know, religion, to Christianity in this chaotic time and in general, really, is because it provides hope and hope in the form of an afterlife. And hope is what people really, really need in these hellish 2020s that they are dealing with. The Lauren comes to realize that the hope and the hope in the afterlife ultimately isn't enough for the people that have invested so much into it. Um, one of the people in the community um, ends up, despite being a staunch believer that, um, trigger warning, by the way, for suicide, um, despite being a, a strong believer that, you know, suicide is a sin and it'll send you straight to hell. She is so lost hope and can no longer trust in, has been dealing with so much pain that she ends up taking her own life. And she takes her own life. And as Lauren remarks, she takes her own life knowing, um, or at least believing the pain hereafter. And yet, she finds it more of a reprieve than the pain she was experiencing here now. And so, as Lauren is witnessing these things happening around her, um, is dealing with, you know, loss and her baptism and her father's commitment to the church, she is continuing to develop the idea of Earthseed. And she begins to contrast Earthseed from Christ- with Christianity, um, and particularly in the sense of how the two religions address hope and change. In Christianity, you know, they have the hope um, of the afterlife against this brutal life life, <laughs> now life, whereas Earthseed simply presents the central principle God is change. That's the first principle of earth seed. Second is that shape God. So first you have to recognize and accept that change is inevitable, often destructive, but you could also recognize you have the power to shape it. 
Um, and so from that comes the third principle, which is to, to um, pursue the destiny. The destiny being the establishment of humanity and other worlds. And to be quite honest, I um, as this is one aspect of of the philosophy of Earthsea that I think I I diverge from. Um, Lauren, of course, has a lot of focus on the heavens, as in the cosmic heavens, and scattering Earthseed, which is you know humanity across you know all these different planets, establishing ourselves and different worlds but i feel as though the destiny is in a way i wouldn't say distraction but i think it's it's a a misplaced um a misplaced hope i guess i mean there's that's kind of one of the points of the book right because there's in especially in the second book there's a lot from the perspective of her daughter that kind of shows how as as much her philosophy is a really understandable and in some ways admirable adaptation to the completely fucked up times she was born into, it's also in the same way that a lot of other people's philosophies become, you know, and that her parents and stuff uh, are earlier in the first book. It's a way for her to kind of justify not paying attention to the people in her life and not not taking proper care of them because she's got this thing that's bigger than them yeah. that she works yeah. towards. Um, and you really, by the, by the end of the second book, you really have to sort of contend with the fact that, you know, you sort of have to grapple with how things with her daughter will handle in the yeah. end. I guess I'll leave it at that. Um, yeah. And yeah, um, um that's part of it. I mean, she's so dedicated to this cause, to this new religion of hers. Um, and, you know, she's recruiting people into it. You know, she's selling people these, this hope, you know, that follow Earthsea, believe in a destiny. Eventually, you know, space is going to become the real life heaven. We could actually get out there and make a new start for ourselves. For, for ourselves. And that's part of it as well. Part of the whole idea of the destiny is, you know, a fresh start for humanity, a sort of a maturation of humanity. This idea that, you know, once humanity establishes itself in other worlds, that it would have um, grown up as a species. Yeah, and it it's one of the things that I, I really respect about these books that I think a lesser writer wouldn't have been able to pull off is that the degree to which without beating you in the head with it, you see her as first failed by the philosophies and ideologies of her parents' generation and by the um, the systems that people had gotten stuck in. She's very much a character who grows up in a world where all the adults are stuck. Um, yeah. A, essentially like a system that has become a death cult. And she has to figure out a way out of it, which she comes to believe in so much that in her own way, she becomes stuck in that new thing. And it renders her unable to see certain things that are important. And the book never portrays her as completely right or completely wrong, because that's just not how civilization works. Things just yeah. change over time. And, 
you know, the the ideology that her parents and the adults are all stuck in in the beginning of the book is an ideology that worked to a degree at some point in the past, um, which is just it, it it's it's it does a really good job of of showing a number of things, which is kind of what it's like to be a kid realizing that the adults have fucked you, what it's like to become radicalized. Um, and realize that the world doesn't have to be the way that it is and what it's like to let that radicalization lead you somewhere to where you miss important things. Like there's so much going on in the evolution of what the characters believe in this book that is is just masterful from a, a storytelling standpoint. Yeah. And I mean, the second book really does a, a, a good job showing her sort of blindness as well when it comes to mm-hmm. things going on because what ends up happening one of the worst incidents in that second book is something that of course not to victim blame but it is something they could have prepared for a bit more yeah a lot more actually yeah it's it's they're good books they are books that you will if you're like me you will start reading them and you will get really into the first book and then you'll take a 10 minute break to like check the news and something will send you into a panic spiral and you'll read the next two books getting increasingly depressed. It's good. Well, it's a good book. The next book. Cause I mean, the third book never released. <laughs> yeah. She never quite got to make it. Yeah. And I'll, I'll get into that as well in a bit and how it ties into the destiny. Right. Yeah. But just to reiterate, you know, first principle, God has change. God is not a person. It doesn't love or hate or watch over us or know us. It just is. Second principle, shape God. God is malleable. God is power, infinite, irresistible, inexorable, indifferent. And yet God is pliable, trickster, teacher, chaos, clay. And truly emphasizes that change is neither good or bad, but it is potential. And we could, and we have a choice to either be a victim of change, a victim of God, or we can become a partner of God, or we can become a shaper of God, or we could just stay as God's plaything, as changes prey. It's unavoidable, but our actions can shape its direction and speed. In the end, change prevails. And there's a comfort in that. Because once we understand that, we can return that effort. The inevitability of change can be what thrusts us forward. And I think, um, I think people who are invested in in activism, in organizing, and just revolutionary work, I think there are aspects of Earthsea that I think can be very motivating, very impactful, very energizing. Because despite, you know, how circumstances play out, um, there's a recognition that we are never entirely disempowered, you know? And so, like, just the last point I want to get into about the destiny. I think that's what would make me, if I were to be in this world, I think that's where I would diverge from the Earthseed orthodoxy. Because, I mean, Lauren talks about how, you know, 
history is just this repetitive thing. We have all these wars and kill a bunch of people and impoverish others and spread disease and hunger. And her whole thing is just because that's how it's always been doesn't mean we have to accept that. We can choose to do more, make something more of ourselves. And to her, making something more of ourselves is establishing ourselves on other planets. So if she is Earthseed Orthodoxy, I suppose I'm an Earthseed Protestant. Yeah, you're um, I think <laughs> You're, you're <laughs> Earthseed Martin Luther nailing your theses to, I don't know, the door of her house in Seattle. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I would be a reformer of the, of the destiny in the sense that I say the destiny could be creating a heaven here on Earth. Like, rather than pursuing a cosmic heaven. I don't think it's even something that Lauren, at least I don't recall Lauren ever grappling with the possibility because she really is fixated on this cosmic um, idea. I don't think she grapples with the possibility that humanity can mature, quote-unquote, here on Earth, you know? Um, She doesn't really draw much attention or spend much time thinking about things like ecosystem restoration or, you know, changing the pushing back against the the government or the economic system that is impoverishing and inflicting violence upon people. She's just really fixated on the destiny. And so that's when I get into the third book and things I learned about the third book when I was researching for this episode. Butler actually planned on exploring the fulfillment of the destiny in the third book, um, Parable of the Trickster. In fact, she intended to have a seven-part series. So the third book would have been near the middle. As the story would have focused on another woman named Imara, who is living on an Earthseed colony in the future on a planet called Bo, far away from Earth. Quote, It is not the heaven that was hoped for, but grey, dank, and utterly miserable. Everybody is homesick. Um, homesick, not just in like, oh, I haven't been home in a while kind of thing. Homesick in the sense of like, you know when someone is like an amputee, and they have this sort of phantom limb sensation. Yeah. This homesickness is like a phantom limb pain, uh, a neurological debilitation. It's like trying to graft humanity onto a new planet. And it's, it's, it's like if humanity were a branch and this new planet was a tree, and like both the tree and the branch are kind of rejecting each other. Um, and so she never really got very far into writing Parallel of the Tricksters. Uh, in fact, she had a lot of different um, ways of approaching it, a lot of different manuscripts that she got, you know, a couple pages into and then discarded. You know, so in some versions, the colonists end up having like a creeping blindness. In others, they get this telepathy. Um, in other versions, she has to solve a murder. In other versions, she, she becomes a ghost. Sometimes she's an Earthseed, an Earthseed skeptic. Sometimes she's a true believer. Sometimes she's a hyper-empath. Sometimes she's cured of it. Um, sometimes the planet itself is filled with giant dinosaurs. Other times, small animals. Other times, intelligent aliens. Um, and there's also this idea, this, I would say, very Twilight Zone-esque idea that the aliens that they do encounter are tokens of their escalating collective madness. And so the whole idea of Power of the Trickster and what have been the subsequent books was, you know, 
the continuation of the concept of choice, choosing to either, you know, live together, work together, struggle together, or, you know, fight and scheme and lose their minds, break down, die and murder alone. In a speech to the UN in 2001, that would be like five years before she passed away. I think she died in, I think I said 2006. She speaks about how before she even like started working on the first parable novel, she wanted to write a novel about a utopian civilization where everybody had a kind of hyper-empathy. But then, and she figured it would be a utopian society because everyone would be inclined to, you know, behave in a more pro-social way because any antisocial activity they would have, you know, inflicted upon others would be inflicted upon themselves immediately. But then she realized it wouldn't work because sharing pain, the threat of shared pain, doesn't necessarily make people behave better towards one another. She points to the the popular painful sports of, you know, like boxing and American football, you know. And so she recognizes that this idea of everyone being a hyper-empath could cause a lot of trouble. I mean, if everyone feels each other's pain, who wants to be a dentist? <laughs> you know, who wants to be a nurse? Um, and so she discards that idea and then she basically created Lauren, who is a lone hyper-empath in a world that is empathy deficient. Ultimately, I think Butler gets to the heart of, you know, a lot of the issues that we are dealing with. Um, she grapples with a lot of questions that should still be explored. The idea of inclusion and exclusion, that balance when, you know, developing community, concept of perseverance, um, concept of hope, the creation and destruction and rebirth of, you know, really life and just what makes life life. I guess I'll, I'll wrap things up with a quote. Does tolerance have a chance? Only if we wanted to. Tolerance, like any aspect of peace, is forever a work in progress, never completed, and if we are as intelligent as we'd like to think we are, never abandoned. That's it. Hardest change, shape God, peace. Well, I think that's about as good a line as any to end on. Go read Octavia Butler. If you haven't, check her out. Go to the library. Her shit's all over the library. Libraries are filthy with Octavia Butler books. You'll find it. Or steal it off the internet. She's not going to mind. It Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. High Five Casino. High Five Casino is a social casino with real prizes and big Vegas hits at highfivecasino.com. The hottest games right from Vegas and all winnings go straight to your bank account. Hundreds of exclusive games, free daily rewards, and come back to get free coins every four hours. Only at highfivecasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details at high the number five casino.com. High Five Casino.
I'm going out with the girls this weekend. Nails done, outfit stunner, and my skin. I know it's going to be glowing because I glammed up my shower routine with new Olay Indulgent Moisture Body Wash. It smells so luxurious and deeply moisturizes with its super rich, creamy lather that's bursting with vitamin B3 complex. So my skin glows and my confidence grows. Try new Olay Indulgent Moisture Body Wash for glowing skin in just 14 days. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.